Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special Christmas message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. When the Bible says that Jesus tasted death, That phrase is all-inclusive. To taste death speaks of total death. Every possible angle involved with death. Tasted death speaks of drinking the bitter cup of death on the cross. Remember we talked about about the dregs of God's wrath? The dregs speak of every little bit of the wrath of God that's going to be poured out on the Christ-rejecting sinful world. Y'all ain't following me. For the believer, Jesus took all of the wrath of God. Here it is. He took all the wrath of God and he, he drank the cup of suffering to his dregs. I thought of that yesterday. I was drinking some tea in my little no theme canister, little cuppy. Anybody got that no theme drinky thingy? What do you call it? Uh, thermos, whatever. And my tea bag broke. Don't you hate that? My tea bag broke. I hate when my tea bag breaks because then you go drinking through and then you got all these old things. But then at the bottom of the cup of the container is like these tea, the tea leaves and they're just down there. That would be the dregs. So the Bible tells us, and you need to get glad about this. That God poured out his wrath on his son and Jesus absorbed, took all of the wrath of God down to the dregs. He did that for you and for me. Now put your Bible down and clap your hands for the Lord. Will you do that? And say, thank you, Jesus. He did that for us. The death that Jesus tasted, here you go, was the penalty of the broken law. The death that Jesus tasted was the full manifestation of the power of the devil. The death that Jesus tasted was the full wrath of God upon him on the cross. Don't you remember when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is to be interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When he said, God, why have you forsaken me? That is Jesus tasting death. Now watch this. Jesus cried those words on the cross so you won't have to. Mm -hmm. Uh Jesus tasted death so we wouldn't have to. He tasted death so when you close your eyes in this world, you'll step through the veil of eternity and step into the light and the life of God. And those who don't know Jesus will step through the veil of death into darkness and they will... And they will cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? That's good. Okay, point number two, because we got a lot to cover. Let's go to point number two. Jesus was born, what's number two, y'all? For our salvation in verses 10 through 13. You just go ahead and peruse there. Look at verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom all are all things to bring many sons to glory. Saints, this is very simple. God's plan and desire is to bring many sons to glory. In other words, God's plan and desire is to capture men for heaven. See, Jesus came not to be the cute little baby in the manger. Jesus didn't come to fulfill your desires and your wants. Jesus didn't come so we'd have a celebration of Christmas in the year. Jesus came to die for the sins of men so that men might go to heaven. Are you following me? Right? So Jesus, his plan is to capture men for heaven. Verse 10, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus is the captain of our salvation. The word captain, got your pen, means pioneer, means leader, means author, trailblazer. It means anyone who be, begins something that others follow. Anybody who starts something and leads is a trailblazer, is an author, is a captain. Jesus is the author of our salvation. Now, we know the Christmas story, don't we? Luke chapter 1, you know it well. The angel, Gabriel, walks in and he said, Mary, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. You are blessed among women. Not above women, among women. That's another sermon. Gabriel, he tells her she will be the mother of the Messiah. When Mary heard this, she couldn't believe the words that she was hearing. He says, Mary, call his name, what saints? Jesus. Jesus means, if you don't know, write it down. Jehovah is salvation. The virgin Mary began to ask some biological questions. She said, how can this be? How can this happen? I've never been intimate with a man. Saints, this is before the days of IVF. This is before the days of freezing anything. Y'all say amen. I'm working here, people. She said, I never knew a man. I've never been intimate with a man. She's saying this is impossible. Now, it is interesting because the first question that Mary asked to the angel was a question, a statement, if you will, concerning the virgin birth. This is interesting. The first thing Mary said, Mary, you're going to be the mother of Messiah. Wonderful. I never knew a man. I am a virgin, is what she's saying. So her first question, her first statement, she's questioning the virgin birth. Now, I bring this up, saints, because listen to me close. There are some, we'll call them so-called ministers, who question the virgin birth. There are so-called ministers, preachers from the pulpits of America, who question the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus. 
There are people who question and do not believe in the inspired word of God, and yet they say they believe in Jesus. Can I tell you something? If you don't believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, then you don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Because the Jesus of the Bible was born of a woman whose father was the Holy Spirit. Am I right about that? And saints, here's the point. Here's the point. Here's why this is important. Because our salvation rests on the virgin birth. Listen to me. Our salvation rests on it. If Jesus, here's how it works out. If Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then his death was good for nothing. If Jesus were were born of two human beings, his death doesn't make him a savior. It makes him a martyr. On the other hand, if he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, then he was sinless And his death on the cross had the power to forgive us of our sins. And Jesus is our Savior. Somebody can say amen right there. Jesus is our Savior. And in order for you and I to understand Jesus being our Savior and Jesus being the Savior, three conditions must be met. In order for Jesus to be our Savior, three conditions must be met. Let me give them to you and I'll explain. He must be a man. He must be an infinite man. And he must be an innocent man. He must be a man. He must be an infinite man. And he must be an innocent man. A man. An angel could not die for our sins. So this man must be human to die for our sins. Number two, he must be an infinite man. A mere mortal could not bear the price of our sins, right? And number three, he must be an innocent man. A sinner cannot die for a sinner. Are you following me? The virgin birth guarantees Jesus fulfills all three conditions. Because he was born of Mary, he is human. Because he is conceived by the Holy Spirit, he is fully God, and he was born And lived without sin because he was born holy. He is sinless in thought, word, and deed. And this qualifies Jesus to be God, our salvation. Did you get that? Simple. Simple. A little theological for you, but simple. All right? Point number three, let's move forward. Jesus came to be our, what's number three, y'all? Sanctifier in verses 11 through 13. Look at verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those being sanctified are all one. For which reason he also, he's not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus is the one who sanctifies. We are being sanctified. The word holy, saint, and sanctified are the same word in the Greek language, hagiazo. Holy, saint, sanctified in the Greek language, the very same word. We are sanctified and therefore we are saints. We are holy. If you're a born again believer, then you're a saint. If you're not, you're an ain't. Some saints make me think they ain't, but okay, fine. We're going to leave that alone. That's another sermon. If you're a born-again believer, you're a saint. Your, your, your husband's a saint, wife. I know that's really hard for you to believe. But you're like, oh, no, man. Oh, no, sir. 
I'm a saint. Amen. Saint Rodney. Doesn't that have a nice ring? Saint Rodney. You know, y'all can call me Saint Rodney from now on. We're all saints. You follow me? We're all saints. We're saints because we're in Christ. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11 tells us that Jesus, look at it, is holy and capable of making us holy. We are made holy by faith and belief in him. Did you get that? We are not made holy because we arrived to sainthood. The word saint has no ethical or moral meaning. We are not made holy saints because we're good people. We are made holy positionally by faith in Jesus. And the Holy One is not ashamed, the Bible tells us, to call us brethren. This is a wonderful, wonderful verse. Wonderful verse. Gotta love it. Jesus, the Bible says, is not ashamed to call you brethren. Now get the context here. The book of Hebrews, arguably Paul wrote it, but whomever, the goal of the book of Hebrews is to help Jewish Christians, new Jewish believer Christians, to understand that Christ is better. Context, 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 Calvary, I tell you all the time. So the context is the writer is seeking to help new believers People who, Jewish believers, who gave their life to Jesus Christ, the whole book is about this, who gave their life to Christ, but now they're under the pressure of Judaism. Because there's one thing about um, when you uh, have grown up in something, or you've grown up with a tradition, or you've grown up with a certain belief, it's really difficult to just shed that belief. So they grew up with the temple, and they grew up with sacrifice. And they grew up with, 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 with order in the temple and going to the temple and offering the various sacrifices. Well, now the writer is saying to the believers, you don't need to sacrifice anymore because here's the theme of the book. Christ is better. Better than what? Better than the angels. Read the whole book. You'll see better than the angels, better than Aaron, better than Abraham, better than the sacrifices, better than the temple. So when you give your life to Jesus, you've got all these ingrained ideas and thoughts and feelings and way that you make moves and mobile in the world. The writer is helping these Jewish baby Christians to understand that they don't need to be afraid and ashamed of Jesus because of the pressure of Judaism. There was a temptation to be a closet believer or a secret service Christian. Huh? God doesn't treat us like that family member we don't want to introduce. I wrote that down because I want to be sure you heard that, okay? Because that's important. God doesn't treat us that way. Am I right about it? Jesus, here's what happened. What happened, Pastor? What happened? Jesus puts his arm around you. He puts his arm around me. And he says, Rodney, or put your name there. I'm not ashamed to call you my brethren. That is awesome. I'll wait while you clap your hands there. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure why people are ashamed of the Lord. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Are you? 
Y'all don't want it with Grandma Betty. I'm just telling you right now, you don't want it, okay? You definitely don't want it. No. We shouldn't be ashamed of the Lord. He wasn't ashamed of us. Paul the Apostle, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Look that up for me, honey. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I won't tell you I'm wrong. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the... Oh, y'all too sleepy for me. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the... Unto salvation to everyone who believes. Why are people, why are believers ashamed of Jesus? And we live in a culture nowadays where if you are not, God help me, if you are not in sync with the world's view on everything, people seek to cancel you. Uh Uh-huh. That boy preaching right now, ain't he? People want to cancel you. They, 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 they want you to cower in a corner and keep your mouth shut. We don't want to hear it. This is where the world is going right now. And now more than ever, I need the saints to listen up. Now more than ever, we need to be the people of God who are willing to stand for Jesus, who are willing to open our mouths for Jesus, who are willing to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. Not your words, not my words. It's the gospel. And we can't allow the world to squeeze us into its mold. Can't can't allow that. Can't allow that. And no, 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 we don't need to be secret service Christians. Grandma, am I right about it? I know that. Jesus, really interesting. Okay, he's not ashamed to call us brethren. It is interesting because G- Jesus has every right to be ashamed to call us brethren. And he's not. He's never been ashamed. Am I right about that? Number four, let's move on. Jesus was born. What's number four, y'all? The BR Satan conqueror. Now, I'm going to explain this to you really easy. Verse 14, just look at it. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death Jesus might destroy Satan. In other words, saints, believers are human beings and partakers of flesh and blood. Jesus also took on flesh and blood and became what we are. That through death, look at verse 14, he, Jesus, might destroy him, Satan, who had power over death, who had the power of death. So Satan's greatest power, what's Satan's greatest power, Pastor Rodney? His greatest power was death, was death. Satan knows continued sin brings death. So he tries to keep people in sin. So somebody had to destroy that power. Somebody had to shatter death. Jesus destroyed and shattered the power of death. Can you say amen? Now, when the Bible, listen to me close, when the Bible says Jesus destroyed the power of death, that doesn't mean that nobody is ever going to die. It does mean, actually, on the contrary, that everyone will die. No one escapes death. 
uh, and taxes. Uh, <laughs> nobody escapes death. Am I right about death? Listen, death is certain. Death is certain. And you can take the vaccine for the Rona all you want. You're still going to die. You understand? Because death is certain. Everyone dies. Scientists die. Virologists die. Uh, Nobel Peace Prize winners die. Good people die. Black people die. Rap artists die. Country singers die. You know the statistic I like to tell you. They say 100 out of every 100 people die. That means everybody, y'all, right? Everybody dies. Jesus, here's the good news. Conquered death, so there's no need to fear death. Now, listen, I don't fear death. I do fear dying. I'll explain. I don't fear death. I do fear dying. In other words, I do have a preference in the way that I die. I want to die in my sleep, or I'm okay, I'm going to say it, two die, they're shaking their heads, don't do it, I'm going to say it because this is the way I feel, I'm okay to die like right here before you all, <laughs> so sick, <laughs> so sick, I, I'm okay, look, I'm, I always tell you, here's my preference is, okay, my preference is go to sleep and just don't wake up, okay, it's all good. My second choice is like preaching the word. I want to die. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God will be good to me. Two things, two things. If I die preaching the word, I'm like mid-sentence. I want to be mid, for it was fitting for him. (laughs) That's the way I want to go. And then the other thing is when I get to heaven, I want to get an afro. So I don't really have any... Difficult. Look, there's nothing too hard for God. Y'all need to have some faith. That's your problem. You don't have faith. I have faith. I'm going to have an afro in heaven. I, I don't, I'm not a big positive confession, but I'm going to name that thing and claim it. Big old afro and a pick in the back. I tell you, if you go to this church, you hear this all the time. So I prefer to go to sleep and wake up in heaven. Dying... Or being eaten by sharks is not on my preferred list. Piranhas, not on my preferred list. Things that eat me in the water, not on my preferred list. The guillotine is not that bad, I guess. We don't have to, <laughs> we don't have to fear death. Somebody say amen. We don't have to. I'll wait. Come on, clap your hands. I'll wait. That's fine. That's fine. So in verse 15, not only, look at verse 15, not only did Jesus destroy death, but he also destroyed the need to fear death. By, look at it. By those, look at verse uh, 15, just peruse in verse 15, uh, 16, yeah, 14, 15, 16. By those who have been in bondage to fear all their life. Saints, death is a defeated enemy Because of Jesus' death on the cross, before Calvary, watch this, men were held in bondage to the fear of death. 
When people in the Old Testament died, there was an uncertainty. The Old Testament talks about the resurrection too, by the way. But there was somewhat of an uncertainty, if you will, or a gloom or a haze over people's eyes, minds, spirits as it relates to death. Fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus has cleared that haze away. Life and immortality have been brought to life, to light through the gospel, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. So Jesus, let's get back. Jesus was born to be our substitute, to be our salvation, to be our sanctifier, to be our Satan conqueror, and then finally number five. Jesus was born to be our sympathetic high priest in verse 16 through 18. Look at verse 17. Therefore, in all these things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.